Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Turbulence here on WMUC Sports. I am your host, Jack White, alongside George Shalloway, and we are going to get straight into it this evening. We are going to start off with some Terrapin trivia. George, are you ready, my friend? Yes, I am. Uh, It's good to be back to our normal time schedule of, you know, Thursday evenings, and uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've done this, so it's good to be back on the, the normal time again. Yeah, I'm a big fan of routine, too. It's nice to be back in our, you know, normal time slot. And, you know, yeah, we, it was a really enjoyable uh, shout out to Harrison and Nicholas Deshaun getting to have them on and get their perspective of what's been going on in the sports world and, you know, uh, what's going on up at uh, the University of Michigan and along with, you know, our Thanksgiving episode. So, yeah, a couple of weeks of a little, you know, you know, had to juggle things around, but it's good to be back in our normal slot. So, George, here is the question, and as usual, I will give you the entirety of the show to think it through, and then you will give me your final answer come the conclusion of our show. So, George, when was the last time University of Maryland football finished a season ranked? Okay, good question. All I'm asking for here is the year. I will give you a bonus point if you can tell me what number they were ranked. That would be very impressive. Okay. Give me, uh, give me the episode and I'll get back to you. All right. All right. Let's dive right into it. So we're going to give a quick recap of uh, last night's disappointing affair in the Big Ten ACC Challenge as the University of Maryland Terrapins fell hard to the Clemson Tigers, 67 to 51. Clemson has now improved to 4-0 on the season. They had four players in double figures last night, led by 16 points from Amir Sims. As the Terps now fall to 4-1 on the season, not bad, but Clemson without question was their toughest opponent thus far in the season. Maryland struggled a lot, George, in the first half to find their rhythm, just shooting 6 of 23 from the field and one of eight from the beyond the arc, but we can't deny Clemson was hot. They quickly built a double-digit lead. I thought, you know, and I've told you this uh, before, you know, unlike hockey, baseball, football, slow starts in basketball aren't the end of the world, but Maryland's defense just couldn't slow it down. I mean, Clemson quickly built that double-digit lead, and they didn't turn back. They held that 20.3 edge heading into halftime, and they never looked back. Well, yeah, you're right. Um, I think that the more worrisome part about that game is the fact that Maryland looked like a completely different team on the road versus at home in the Xfinity Center. And going forward in Big Ten play, that's that's not good when you're a completely different team on the road. I mean, this is a very, very, very good Big Ten team, or Big Ten conference, excuse me, as you can just see by how well they've done in the Big Ten ACC challenge you know everyone always thinks the ACC is the premier basketball league but again it might not be it might be the or the Big Ten this year I mean just consistent good performances all around top to bottom it's not an easy conference there's no game that you can say oh that's a, a an easy win I mean it's going to be a difficult season and and when they struggle on the road you got to think okay this was the first time you know they've traveled on a road game different precautions with the co- uh, coronavirus and COVID protocols Maybe that's why they just had an off night and they just had to get one out of their system. It's a good thing they got it out in a non-conference game. But if this is the true identity of the team where they 
you know, have an alter ego on the road, that's something to definitely be concerned about. Jack, where do you think uh, this team has to go to improve for their next road game? Do you think that it comes from the leadership of the team? Do you think it's reviewing film? How do you think they can improve going forward with a road game? Well, leadership is something that definitely needs to be addressed because, you know, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but they no longer have Anthony Cowan Jr. in sticks, uh, obviously. Yeah, that was very and, evident last night. And without them, exactly with their production, I, no one else could really step up. I mean, exactly. Dante that's, Scott was the, the number one scorer. Yeah, Dante Scott was the eleven points for last night. And if I remember correctly, our first episode, the two names that we addressed that we said needed to come through was Eric Ayala and Daryl Morcel. They really needed to step up in a big way, and they did not do that last night. And I know they were frustrated by their performance, and I know they would be the first ones to say they could do better. But going back to your question, George, I think it all starts in the backcourt with Eric Ayala. Um, I really, and even Hakeem Hart coming off the bench, I really think those guys, they, they need to be able to step up in a big way and they need to be able to create space without the ball. What does that mean for those of you listening at home? They need to be able to find ways to get open and create turnovers and create fouls without the ball on offense. I mean, we, we can put all the pressure we want on Marcel and Ayala junior and senior guards, but at the end of the day, they need help. It's like any other sport. You could have the greatest quarterback in the world, the worst quarterback in the world. You need receivers around them to make it a little easier or even a well-balanced run game. So the bottom line is George. Yes. I think to successfully move on with this season, the offensive production is definitely going to need a decrease. I am not, even close to being in panic mode in regards to Maryland's defense. I think it is a very tight niche group defensively. Um, they did a very nice job. I noticed some great things out of Dante Scott last night, Ayala, and I saw Morcel had, I think, just alone on television when I was watching the game. I think he had about three steals. So he did, he did play a very nice game last night. But it's going to be interesting to see what I'm concerned about, and I'd love to get your take and opinion on this, George, what I'm concerned about with this team is the first four games, I think the hype train started to build a little too fast. They, with no disrespect at all to their first four opponents, they didn't exactly play anyone up to Maryland standards. They, they, were, they were what we would call probably gimme games, but Clemson is not that. They, and we saw that last night. I think Maryland might have you know, been honeymooning a little bit, if you want to put it in that regard. And I think this, this, this loss, if you want to lose at some point in the season, I think it couldn't have come at a better time. Not only you mentioned this, this was not a Big Ten game. It was not an in-conference game. It was not against a ranked opponent. And it really didn't hurt your, your, your reputation that bad or your seating, you know, in regards to the committee and votes. So what I'm concerned about, George, nonetheless, um, is – how will Maryland respond against Rutgers? Will, will this continue? Will, are we really going to see Maryland's true colors here come the end of the month here in December? Or are, are, they, are they legit? Are they, are they a contender in the Big Ten? I, I agree. Rutgers is going to be a, a monstrous game to figure out the real identity of this team. You hit the nail on the head with that. I, I think it's going to be really tough. I mean, Rutgers is – no pushover. They're ranked, you know, they're 21 in the country right now. It's the first game of the Big Ten. And as you've been harking upon, as the team's been harking upon with their unfinished business, this is their first chance to, you know, 
solidify themselves as a contender again this year, knocking off a ranked opponent to start off the Big Ten Conference. That's exactly what you want if you're Maryland. You say, okay, we learned from our mistakes. Yeah, we didn't have a great game, but you know they have enough time to practice, watch film, stay safe. No one on the team can you know get the virus, and and they have plenty of time to learn from their mistakes. So I'm definitely not, you know, too nervous. I was definitely you know upset last night watching that game and a a little bit of a miniature funk, you know, not Jake funk, but upset about the game type <laughs> funk. So. Yeah, I agree. Rutgers is an absolutely monstrous game, and I'm very excited to watch it. I just think that we're going to need to get more production from the guys we need production from. It can't be Dante Scott leading the team from his, you know, forward position. It's got to be, as you said, the backcourt, you know, Eric Ayala, Aaron Wiggins. They have to be able to do stuff. And also, Joel has to play more meaningful minutes to give Galen Smith a break and Jerry's Hamilton a break as their four and five positions. Because I was going to reference that. I don't think Turgeon throughout the season in all five games has done a great job in balancing Chole and Smith down low. I really think – I think the scoring production is why Smith is getting a lot more playing time. But you got to use Chole's, you know, athleticism and, um, you know, his physique to your advantage – you got to be able to put him in there and use that and have him run the court a little while. You got to give Smith a break. I agree. And another thing that uh, I forgot to mention earlier that, that I was disappointed with watching the Maryland game last night was the lack of execution of free throws to start the game. Those are gimme points, literally. You know, that's why they're called free throws because they're free if you can make them. And, okay, well, here's the and they deal. were not good from the line at all. Here's the deal. I don't think you can do this in college, but, like, I've talked with friends and family about this. Would you say in a hypothetical scenario, like I said, you, you probably could not do this in college, but professionally, do you think players, it's fair to find players one to $5,000 for missing a free throw? No, you can't do that. You, you can't you know, buy they, them for that. I, no. I, I don't know. It, it it gets my goat. Like it's like, you know, you 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 would say it's it's the equivalent of a you know uh missing, you know, a twenty yard field goal. It's yeah, it's exactly the, yeah, it's the equivalent, you know, I don't know. It's an extra point. It's an extra point. It's just a gimme, gimme, gimme point that Maryland needs to be able to take advantage of all teams. That's why I brought up the point, but I, I agree with you, George. I think they left a lot of points out there, which could have made this game a lot more competitive in the first half, yep. making it, you know, giving Maryland a chance potentially in the second. Exactly. And if you think about it, in the second, they did get it down to 12 points. If they would have made some of the early missed free throws, it could have been, you know, a seven or eight point game instead. And that's a completely different feel. And you would have had, you know, Clemson on the ropes. They were on the ropes when it was 12 points. Then they had some turnovers and back-to-back, you know, threes and boom. And it was getting out of control, you know, in the second half. I don't think the score really necessarily uh, signifies how Maryland played. I mean, they they at one point went on a 19-6 to run in that second half, but they just could not stop the ball all the time. Clemson guards were going up, and they weren't just scoring. They were stopping at the top of the key and nailing three-pointers. It was was one of those, anything you do, we can do better. Also, there was a – Pretty bad Maryland's defensive rebounding game. Clemson got a lot of offensive rebounds for allowing for second chance points that you really can't. Like George, they allow. just look tired. They looked tired. I, I, it's it was weird watching that game last night. They did not look themselves. I agree. It looked like a completely different team. But you know, like we've been saying, 
it's definitely a little bit early to completely jump off this bandwagon. It was one game. They just have to learn from this because after watching some of these teams in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, Iowa looks for real. Illinois looks for real. Michigan State. I mean, all these teams that we're going to be playing one to two times this year are they're really good competition. For those that and, don't know, the Big Ten has the most ranked teams in the power. Excuse me, not the power, the top twenty-five. Yes. So it's 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 a tough conference in Georgia. I'm glad you mentioned it earlier. I mean, most think the ACC is the pillar of basketball. One might argue differently. I think one has very good reason to argue differently for this season in particular. But, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here as, you know, as the team gets ready to take on, you know, the Scarlet Knights in basketball next week and in football on Saturday. Absolutely. You know, that's going to be very, very interesting. You know, that football game this coming Saturday, it's a big weekend against the Scarlet Knights. But, you know, as you said, you know, the basketball team, they got a lot to look forward to, a lot of up-and-coming talent, and they're 4-1 on the season. No need to get nervous yet. No need to bring out the panic button. But as George mentioned, they will tip off against Rutgers next Monday at 6 o'clock, broadcasted on the Big Ten Network. But as George referenced, the Maryland football Terrapins now – George, at this point, are we even at the point where we can judge this team this season with the amount of interruptions they've had off and on the field, off the field with COVID and then on the field? Just they haven't had the right reps in practice to prepare. Oh, I think that's a definite reason to judge this team on what they've been doing in this crazy season. And I think that they have had very good success dealing with it. I think that well, this personally, team... in my belief, I, I think they're better than two and two. Oh, I, I definitely agree with that. If you think that, you know, if Maryland would have had... A joke. That, that, doesn't real, that doesn't define this team. No, I think they're better than that. I think that a lot of people didn't even have them as potentially even getting one win this season. There were multiple reports saying that this team would go 0-8. And, and to go 2-2 two and two in the wins that they did get, no one really expected. I mean, I, I just wish, you know, obviously it doesn't matter at this point, things happen but if I, I still think if this team was fully healthy against Indiana it would have been a completely different game the Northwestern game definitely was a rough start to this season but similar to how you know the basketball guys last night you know had a pretty big loss I think that this could help bounce them back just like it did for you know Maryland football so I think two and two that is obviously their record this is a very important game on Saturday to finish with a winning season, regular season at three and two, which if you would have told me that Maryland would have a winning season this year, I would have said that, you know, you're crazy, but I would have loved to have believed you. And sure enough, they have this position, you know, Rutgers is a good team. They've beaten a couple teams, you know, they've beaten Michigan state. They had a close game against Indiana also losing by 16. They put up 27 against Ohio state. You know, they lost by three to Illinois. They took Michigan to overtime. I remember watching that game a couple of weeks ago. It was the Saturday night game up in, uh, up in Rutgers. And, you know, they really should have won that game. They got the stop in the first overtime, and their field goal kicker missed the uh, field goal try. If they make that kick, they would have won the game. So that one slipped out of their hands. They beat Purdue uh, by a touchdown, and then they lost, you know, last week to Penn State. So this Rutgers team isn't – the same 
oh, Rutgers, like they've been for years past. So I'm definitely not overlooking them as an opponent because if you do, you're going to lose. And I think that, you know, Maryland, now that they have their players back, those players are hungry to be able to say, you know what, you might have missed me. For You guys forget about me. Here I am. Look what I can do. I expect to have a big, big game out of, you know, Jake Funk. It's his senior day. I expect for him to play with a chip on his shoulder, especially after being out for that Indiana game that, you know, Maryland definitely could have used him. Uh, same thing. I expect Johnny Jordan to have really good offensive line calls. It's his senior day too. And I really expect this to be a, a close game. I don't, I mean, it's probably going to be an offensive shootout. I have to believe that. But at the same time, I, I really think Maryland's going to, going to get this win and go three and two in the regular season and solidify a winning record, which I think, you know, for Coach Locke's year 1.5, that would be a tremendous victory. Not to mention, you know, with next week being National Signing Day, finishing with a winning record really shows to all of his 2021 recruits and the ones that he's working on flipping and the class of 2022 that we're for real. And, you know, right now they're ranked, uh, I believe, 22, 21 in the country right now. They just had two more recruits sign in the last week. Uh, they had Andre Porter, who flipped from Boston College from Ballou High School down in D.C., which is, fun fact, Coach Mike Loxley's alma mater. And, you know, he's, you know, 6'3", 300 pounds to help that defensive line. And we just got also Darrell uh, Jackson, 6'6", 260, a Tennessee flip. So, I mean, Mar from Florida. But uh, Maryland is doing things that other Big Ten teams should be watching out for the next couple of years because I'm telling you, this team – they're hungry. They're starting to believe in themselves. And when you have those two, those two ingredients, you could, you'd have a, a nasty team in the next couple of years. So I, I think things are looking bright right now for Maryland football, but they just can't overlook Rutgers and then get ready to go into the uh, cross week of big 10 West, or maybe it'll be big 10 East. There's talk that potentially with you know, other cancelizations, maybe they'll play, you know, a Michigan or Michigan state. We just don't know yet. They'll make those announcements later in the weekend or early next week. And then hopefully Maryland can go bowling for the first time since uh, the 2016 season. Well, something so, I know, you know, fans, Maryland fans are going to love to hear. Maryland has won four of the last five meetings against the Scarlet Knights. And since Maryland and Rutgers joined the Big Ten in 2014, the Terps have averaged 36.8 points per game against Rutgers, five times scoring over 30 points and never scoring less than 24 points against the Scarlet Knights. And they have even run for over 200 yards in two straight meetings against Rutgers, scoring a combined five rushing touchdowns. So it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup. I would personally think it's obviously going to sound biased coming from me, of course. I do believe the Terps, without doubt, have the edge in this one. It's senior day. Haven't played in a while. want to definitely give a shout-out also to D-lineman Cherokee Glasgow, offensive lineman Johnny Jordan, safety Antoine Richardson, Kicker Tyler Rockhill, tight end Zach Roski, and linebacker Shaq Smith, as it is their senior day as well, of course, along with senior running back Jake Funk. So it's definitely going to be an interesting game. I know without doubt, looking at the big picture of things, things can flip at the drop of a hat. You know, I was earlier talking uh, today on a Zoom call with other Maryland students to um, Maryland play-by-play -play, uh, broadcaster Johnny Holiday. And, you know, we were talking to him about, you know, how he prepares. And, you know, he says, you know, I always prepare the night before. And initially when I heard that, I was like, 
okay, you've been in this industry a long time. That makes sense. I mean, you've got this down pat. But then he gave his explanation. He's just like, we don't know what can happen with COVID. It's like, I don't want to put in all this extra work for no reason. So he waits until the night before because his phone could be blowing up at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Oh, game canceled. So without question, I think the bottom line is, I think I speak for the both of us when I say, I think we're just excited for some Maryland football. And I am really excited to see wide receiver Dante Demas Jr. That guy has really caught my eye when the Terps have actually had the opportunity to step on the field this year. He has caught at least four passes in five straight games. The first Maryland wide receiver to do that since Stephon Diggs had four more receptions in seven games to start the 2014 season and only the third to do it over the past 20 years. So he is someone that is definitely jumping off the page for me. He caught an 80 yard reception for a touchdown in last year's game against Rutgers, which Maryland won 48 to seven. And I definitely believe with quarterback Talia Tagovailoa at the helm, he he poses a dual threat, run and pass. He's very flexible. He's creative back there. He's just like his brother, what he's been doing thus far at the NFL level with the Miami Dolphins. Talia's thrown 917 passing yards over the last three games, which is third most by any Maryland quarterback over a three-game stretch since Danny O'Brien had 975 in 2010 against Virginia, Florida State, and NC State back in the days in which the Terps were in the ACC. But nonetheless, I really do believe that Maryland's going to be able to improve their record to 3-2 and two in the Big Ten and 3-2 and two overall when taking on the Knights. And my final score prediction, I got Terps winning this one 38-20. Well, that, that seems like a very doable uh, game. I think that Maryland also takes the edge partially because they're in the shell um, and not on the road. I know that last year they won up in New Jersey, but the time before that, so what is that now? Three years ago, they lost up there. Uh, so I think that the home field will make a difference. They won't need to travel. They won't need to you know, stay in a team hotel in a bubble. They'll be able to be in their own homes and everything else and they'll be able to uh you know utilize you know gossip and everything else that they have available to them so i do think that um that maryland will also take the edge in this one but again i think it'll be a shootout a close shootout a very high scoring affair but i, I agree that maryland's gonna take the cake on this one and get it and get a w and go three and two on the regular season which i think is a good year from the NCAA to the NFL, I want to give a shout out to a couple of NFL Terps just last week against the Las Vegas Raiders. Ty Johnson, former running back for the Maryland Terrapins, got his first career NFL touchdown in a 100-yard game. Congratulations to him. A heck of a story. He only had one FBS offer out of high school, and that was your Maryland Terrapins. He finished fourth all-time in Terps history in rushing yards. And some would say he was probably snubbed at the combine after he ran a 4-3 on his pro day and ended up going to the, to the Jets in the sixth round. So give a shout-out to Ty Johnson there. I'm sure he felt very good after that. Then, of course, you know, I guess we could call these guys the usuals at this point. I want to give a shout-out to DJ Moore and Stefan Diggs. 
they just keep doing great things more for the Panthers digs for the Buffalo Bills. They have the most combined receiving yards of any school in NCAA history, along with JC Jackson and Darnell Savage with a combined 10 interceptions. That is the most combined INTs of any school. So the Terps in the NFL making it happen right now. They're exciting to watch. George, you know me. I know, you know, it's like I'm not a bandwagon. So when if WFT's playing the Bills, I'm not rooting for Stefan Diggs. But at the end of the day, it's always good to see that a Terp is really learning from his success at which he was at Capital One Field and making it do in the NFL. Well, even though I also show my love to the WFT and the you know, NFC and the AFC, I share my love for the Miami Dolphins with some of my Florida family down there. I do like it when Stephon Diggs has a good game, and I will be the first to admit it. I also like it when DJ Moore has good games. I know he's out with COVID, but hope he gets better soon. But, no, I, I share my love for all, all the Terps in the NFL, you know, J.C. Jackson or, you know, um, Darnell Savage or Jermaine Carter Jr., whomever it is. They're everywhere, sure. man. I mean, they're, exactly. they're, they're all over the place in the NFL, and that's, that's a great reputation to have. I mean, not only Coach Loxley, but the program. It's a heck of a program, and it's without question trending in the right direction. But before we move on to a little bit of women's basketball, just want to give a quick shout-out to John Hoke, assistant coach for the Maryland Terrapins. He has been named Broyles Award nominee. Now, for those of you at home wondering what that is, the Broyles Award was created in 1996, recognizing Coach Frank Broyles' legacy of selecting and developing great assistants during his Hall of Fame career as head coach at Arkansas. Hoke has done a phenomenal job this season, where in his second season at the helm of Maryland's defense, Hoke has improved the Terrapins in a number of areas. Maryland is allowing 8.6 fewer points per game in Big Ten contests this season and 73 fewer passing yards per game. The Terps boast a top five pass defense in the conference, allowing just 214 yards per game through the air this season. In just four games played this year, Maryland already has as many sacks as it had all in all nine Big Ten games last year. The Terps had alone seven sacks in their win over Penn State on November 7th, the most in a game since 2016, and the most for the Terps in a conference road game since 2013. So congratulations to John Hoke and the Maryland Terrapins. Definitely something not to shrug off. A heck of an honor for Hoke. So headed from the field to the hardwood, want to just get right into it, George, for the Lady Terrapins having a good season so far, kind of been have been kind of plagued by COVID the past couple of weeks, their last few games getting canceled. But let's not, you know, shy away from the elephant in the room. Angel Reese out for 12 weeks after that big injury to her right foot. It turned out to be a fracture, which is obviously what us fans were not hoping for. So she will miss her rookie campaign. What do you think, George, from your perspective? I've heard a lot from Coach Freeze and players and et cetera, et cetera. How do you think this will affect the Lady Terps as they move forward in their season? Well, well, I think that, you know, first of all, I hope that, you know, Angel gets better and, you know, she has a speedy recovery and it, it doesn't have any lingering problems for her. But I, I was watching the game against Towson and I didn't see what happened. So 
It's usually when it's those injuries that look like it was non-contact, those are usually more severe. So I hope it's not too bad. I'm sure it's painful, but you know, broken bones heal. So wish her the, the best. Um, I think this, you know, is just an example of, you know, next, next woman up uh, in this case, because, you know, just because your future star is out doesn't mean that the season is over by any means. You know, just like uh, the men's team, they're getting ready to start their, you know, Big Ten women's uh, return to the top. You know, they were they climbed the pinnacle last year. They were, you know, again, Big Ten champions. So they need to get back there and play, you know, Maryland basketball. And that means it's championship quality every time that they step out on the court. So it doesn't really matter who's on the floor at the time because, you know, Angel Reese – just like any player doesn't play the entire game, doesn't play all 40 minutes, all the quarters, uh, all, you know, 10 minutes of every quarter. So there's time when she's out anyway, she just has to, you know, um, it's going to change the depth a little bit, you know, as a forward, it's going to put some more pressure on, on different players. Maybe, you know, coach freeze decides to go a little smaller with some lineups, play an extra guard. Um, It'll be interesting to see, how this changes uh, Angel's role on the team. I know that as a young player, she was still learning. Again, now it just means that she has more opportunity to study film. She can still be a vocal leader from the sidelines as she'll be there, you know, injured, but she can still support her fellow teammates. And I think that'll go a long way for her because as you know, a lot of times, you know, women's basketball stays stay all four years. So it'll show her teammates that she's a team player and it's not all about her, even though she was the number two player in last year's recruiting class, she has everyone's back on the team, not just her own. I mean, she's, you know, probably going to be a future WNBA player if she chooses that path, but this can show that she's more than just, you know, a ball hog that wants all the stats for herself. This is her chance to, to show that she's a, a caring teammate who wants the success of the team, which I'm sure will be evident in, you know, her vocalness during practice and during games. So I'm, I'm, it's definitely not the role that the women's team wanted for her or us as fans to watch her play. But again, she should be able to, you know, secure a medical red shirt from this and it shouldn't affect her eligibility if she chooses that way. Plus with COVID anyway, the eligibility rules are all different this year. So I don't think it's too much of a, of a factor for that, but it'll just change some lineups and, Maybe if, you know, 12 weeks from now, she might be able to get back for, you know, the Big Ten run at the end with the the tournament in Indianapolis and maybe even, you know, a run to the national championship in March Madness for the women's team if they do that. But again, her health is important. She should not rush back for an injury because this is a deep team and they should be okay without her, even though obviously we all want her on the floor. I mean, that's what I was thinking too, you know, don't want to jinx anything with a disease like COVID. It's you have no idea what's going to happen. We've obviously seen that many times in the world of sports up to this point, both professionally and collegiately. But you know, who knows if if March Madness ends up happening, Angel Reese is she'll be waiting in the weeds, and I know at that point she'll be she will have worked, she will have rehabbed, and you know, hopefully be ready to go if Coach Freeze and the rest of her teammates need her. And I know it's not really 
called a blessing in disguise. No player nor no fan really wants to see one of your top players go down early in the season. But I absolutely agree with you, George. It's a great lens um, how you approach the discussion. It, this is her opportunity to really show her leadership and her basketball IQ off the court. It would be you know, very impressive for her to help her teammates out in practice what they're doing right and wrong and where they can improve based on what she is noticing as a teammate on the bench. So without question, as fans, we wish her a speedy recovery to her and her family. Now, here's what we're going to do. George, last time I checked, I gave you a trivia question at the beginning of this show. You did. And I want to see if you know the answer to that trivia question. So I'm going to walk you through a little bit of my thought process behind it. All right. For those that don't remember the trivia question at the beginning of the show, I told George, or I should say I asked George, when was the last time the University of Maryland football team finished a season ranked? Now, George, walk us through your thought process. So I know that the last time Maryland was ranked was last year after the uh, – blowout victory over Syracuse when Syracuse was number 21 and then Maryland flipped to number 21 themselves and they lost the next week to Temple last year. But that's not, that doesn't answer your question. The last time I have to then go back by head coaches, DJ Durkin's teams and Matt Canada's teams were never ranked at the end of the season. Coach Edsel's teams were never ranked at the end of the season. He was, not a great coach for Maryland. So that means it had to have been Coach Freegen's time. And so then I had to go think about Coach Freegen. And honestly, I know it wasn't the early 2000s when they were, you know, going to the Capital One Orange Bowl. That was been a little bit late. Um, this was before, you know, Stephon Diggs. Maybe this was Torrey Smith time was my thinking. And then the only, the only memory that I have in my mind about that mid to late 2000s because Coach Frege uh, was fired after the 2010 season. And I remember because I went to the Maryland Rutgers game in 2014 when there was the inaugural Big Ten season and Coach Freegen was a part of the Rutgers coaching staff. I remember they showed him on the Jumbotron of him up in the coaching booth. And I remember, you know, they were saying how good coach Fridge or coach Friedgen was and I remember him and so I I remember that there was a controversy over when he was relieved of his coaching duties and that was after the 2010 season and I remember they went to the military bowl that year because I remember watching that where I was having dinner with my grandparents at a Baja Fresh and they had a TV there and I remember watching the game and honestly that that might be the last time they finished the season ranked. Um, I, I can't definitively remember if they were or weren't ranked after that season, but I remember they, I think, won that game, the military bowl. And that was before Coach Edsel, before Durkin. So I'm going to lock it in. 2010 season, I couldn't tell you what they would be ranked, but I think that if that was the last time that they were ranked, it was 2010. If it wasn't 2010, it was probably 2000. Seven, 2008, but I'm going to go with 2010. The correct answer is 2010. Really? They finished the season ranked 23rd in the country. Maryland just squeaked in the top 25, but yes, it did happen this decade. 
Yeah, it did. Well, I guess last decade, we're in 2020 now, but yeah. I guess, yeah, last, right at the end of uh, last decade. Yeah, I, I was trying to think back to, you know, when Maryland won a bowl game, because you're usually not ranked if you lose a bowl game, unless it's, you know, a, a high-profile bowl. Well, see, I yeah, they, when I was, like, generating this trivia question, I was trying to think to myself, okay, like, when was the last time Maryland got, like, a prime bowl game? And I was thinking back to, like, early 2000s, you know, when they were in the Orange Bowl and when they had those opportunities. But I was like, nah, George, no, no, no. He's going to be able to get that way too easily. That will be way too easy. And I was thinking, okay, you know what? They didn't do great this year, but they squeaked in after winning, you know, um, toward the end of the season in 2010. So I was like, okay, this, I think this is fair. This is, I think, I think in, you know, knowing his knowledge about the Terps, I think he might be able to get this too. So yeah, I was thinking like, okay, you know, and this was a, this was definitely a trademark has to be a trademark of that decade. I mean, it was the first time in a while they've finished rank. So. Yeah. And I remember that's also part of the reason why it was such a big deal that they got rid of coach Friedgen and they didn't hire then offensive coordinator, James Franklin. He yeah, then I think took, that's where the carousel started turning mm-hmm. because they finished ranked and it, they decided to boot Friesian and then it just became a like, you know, I'll, you know, reuse my word. It became a coaching carousel. I mean, yep. and, and it was Edsel for, you know, uh, four seasons. Frustrated, like, why did you get rid of Friesian? I mean, like, that just didn't make any sense. I agree. And, you know, look where Friedgen, we are today, though. Yeah. I mean, Coach Lux started under Coach Friesian. He, he was under his tutelage and then. You no, know, Locks was the interim head coach when you know Edsel was was fired midway through the 2015 season, and who knows what would have happened if he ended up getting that head coaching job, you know, five years ago. As you know from his late night with Locks uh, Instagram live show, it sounded like Dwayne Haskins might have stayed uh, a Terp commit if he w- got that head coaching nod. But I really didn't. I look back on that. I, I, if if Locks got it, maybe a year earlier. I really, I wonder, I really do wonder, like, would Haskins be at the point he's at in his career right now? Or would he still be in a college uniform? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, also, different athletic director then versus now. You know, now it's Damon Evans. Then it was Kevin Anderson. So, a lot of of different things going on there. But, no, that was definitely a good trivia question. And I had to think, when was the last time the Maryland won a bowl game? And that was the – that memory of, you know, sitting there at Baja all those years ago, having, you know, thank God dinner. for Baja, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, Baja got you the gold with this question. Baja fresh. It, it helped me out there. So yes, that, that, that was my logic and I had to walk you through it, but that, that's, that was my thinking. Well, there you go, folks. The last time your Terps were ranked was in 2010 after finishing the season as 23rd in the country. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of turbulence with your host Jack White and alongside my partner in crime George Shalloway we will be back on the airwaves next Thursday at our usual time slot as my partner said we are finally back into our routine so thank you for tuning in here on turbulence on WMUC sports